one of Dave's favorite days of the year when he got to pick out his pumpkin. Yesterday was one of my favorite days of the year. And that's when the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook came out. Yours came late. I had mine last week. I've already read half of it. Well, I got the digital version too, so I actually started it last week, and then I got—I actually like to have the paper version too. Remember back in the day when I would come to Winthrop and print out entire media guides, and <laughs> yeah. it would injure Jack Frost. Each page would spit out, and it was like personally jabbing at his shoulder. Oh, those were fun times. Those were the days. Those were the days. I wish it never end. <laughs> I like those days because that's when Greg Marshall was at Winthrop and they were going 29-5 and five and winning NCAA tournament games. There were some good days in there. Well, you know what's great, too, is um, those were in the days, too, when stuff was printed more for printing. Whereas now everything is digital, so when you print stuff now, you'll get some good information, but you also get like 70 pictures, which is part of the reason why we like to print outside our home. We're recording the podcast today at the Winthrop Coliseum in Rock Hill because we're going to go to basketball practice immediately following this recording. We're getting close to college basketball season. It's two weeks away from the opener. And the more I watch Winthrop, the more enthralled I am with DJ Burns. Yeah, he's going to be the marquee guy. I think this is a deep team. I think they're going to play up to 11 players a game. And guys will get hurt and guys will get into the doghouse as the year moves around. But DJ Burns is just a guy that you don't see at this level. Mike, he's massive with good hands, good feet, and he's an Excellent, excellent passer. I, I cannot wait to watch him play in a game. Well, and he's well made up, too. It's not just that he's huge for this level because, you know, we have seen guys that, that have big frames, but, you know, sometimes maybe they're a little bit doughy or they're maybe not as skilled. I mean, he's chiseled. Uh, and, and, you know, the times that we've seen him, um, it, it, you can see that he's at a different skill level than, it's gonna than the players around him. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be great like, to watch him. And the thing is, and who knows what the future may have in it, but – if he's here for three or four years, oh boy. I mean, Oof. remember when John Brown was at right, high point right. and he was like the guy that shouldn't have been at that mid-major school? DJ Burns is that and he's just so massive. I mean, he looks like an ACC or an SEC player. All right, and for our friends that listen that maybe aren't as familiar with Winthrop and, and who we're talking about, DJ Burns is from Rock Hill, actually went to camps here at Winthrop, was recruited to play um, at Tennessee, four-star guy. recruited to play essentially everywhere. But no, but, but he, he, he signed, yeah, I, that's, I, that's, you said it better than I did. Uh, he was recruited by a bunch of big-time schools. He went to Tennessee, uh, had a... Uh, um, did a red shirt year and then decided to come back home and was granted a, a, the, the hardship waiver in September after the football season started. And so he's going to be at Winthrop and he's going to be, um, he's got to be the newcomer of the year in the big South. He's going to get a lot of touches. He's going to make a lot of plays. I mean, teams that don't double team bigs are going to have to double team him. But the thing, the success at this level and what I mean by success at this level, I don't mean winning your league and, and going to the NCAA tournament because th there is a formula for that. But to win games out of the league uh, against high majors and then making you know winning a game in the NCAA tournament requires players that are kind of outside your level that for whatever reason make it to your school. John Morant. Yeah. John I mean, Morant, great you, example. You have to have those guys. Gordon Haywood, John Morant, um, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. You have to have those guys in order to make a dent. I don't know if DJ Burns is that guy, but he looks the part. 
that's an awfully good start. Well, and he has the potential to be that guy. Speaking of difference makers, yes. the New England Patriots, who have played an atrocious schedule, what? made an addition today. <laughs> so they're yeah. undefeated. Yeah. They're essentially unchallenged outside of the game in Orchard Park against the Bills. And today they bring in Mohamed Sanu for a second-round draft pick. And we've talked about the Jalen Ramsey trade. We've talked about the Khalil Mack trade over the last couple of years. This one's going to go a little more under the radar. No one is saying, oh, wow, Mohamed Sanu's the best wide receiver in football. He's not. I mean, he, he's not the player Odell Beckham is. Boy, does he feel like a perfect fit for the Patriots. Well, and Dave, he's probably one of the arguably one of the best blocking wide receivers in the game, and that really does fit into what Bill Belichick wants to do. Physical wide receiver. It's another guy. Uh, you know, I think you know from what I've seen him when he's you know faced the Panthers with the Falcons. You know, guy with good hands. I mean, he can be that good you know, second, third, you know, fourth. He's Danny Amendola on steroids. Yeah. He's the perfect complement to the. Julian Edelman. He's a possession guy. He runs great routes. He's an excellent blocker. He's not a diva. He's just going to fit in from the get-go and do all of those little things. High IQ, like runs within the game plan. I, I don't know that he wins you an extra game, but he is so disciplined and perfect for a system that is so orderly and on schedule all the time. But I think he's a guy, okay, he might not win you a game per se, but he, and I think he clearly could get you a first down. He's a guy that could extend drives. So I think that's going to be very important for them. And, and let's be honest, I mean, New England has had the easiest um, first seven weeks of maybe just about anybody in the NFL. Their opponents maybe are combined the 11, of the NFL. possibly. Their, their opponents, Dave, are 11 and 27 through the first seven games. Now, it's going to get a little bit tougher um, in their remaining nine games, uh, 28 and 32, the record of the, of the opponents coming up. But, uh, you know, they've already played the Jets twice. Um, and, I mean, let's be honest, that last game that they play is going to be at home against Miami. Uh, that game may be more like a fourth preseason game uh, when all is said and done. I mean, if we were to go through the rest of their schedule in old Mike and the Mad Dog fashion, they face the Browns this week. And... We know what Belichick does to young, inexperienced quarterbacks. And Baker Mayfield is not playing with confidence right now. Right. And that's why they're a double-digit favorite. Then they have that big showdown, the Sunday night game at Baltimore. But again, you know the Patriots, in much the same way they were in the opening week against Pittsburgh, are going to have that game circled on the calendar, ready to go. If they win that game and then they beat Kansas City later in the year— they're just about assured, maybe only need to win one of those games, the number one seed in the AFC. The Eagles and Cowboys are just less important games. They're not against AFC opponents. And facing the Cowboys at home, that you would think they have well, a Well, Philadelphia is coming off a bye, so you're going to have extra time to prepare for the Eagles. Yep. The Texans are, are dangerous. The Chiefs are dangerous. The Bengals are not. The Bills you know, I don't know. It's it's in New England, and the Patriots won the game in Buffalo, and then the Dolphins to wrap up the season. So, so the question is obvious: What are their chances to run the table? I think they definitely can run the table, but I think there will be a game or two that that is a hiccup. I think the the games that would concern me right now would be Kansas City and Buffalo. I think Baltimore, just because they're well coached, uh, you know, good quarterback. I think that's that's a game that. 
that, that could kind of get them. I disagree I think, with No, I think you. they're going to win. I th- I'm not saying Baltimore's going to beat them. I think that could be a game that gives them a little bit of trouble. I still oh, think they I, win that game. I, no, I, I agree with the Baltimore point. The, the Chiefs and the Bills, they're playing at home. I don't know that they're losing a home game. I think if they're going to lose a game, I think it's going to be on the road. I think it's at Philly, at Houston, or at Baltimore. And I don't believe, I just I just can't see a primetime game. But I'm Bill just, O'Brien out coaching no, but Bill Belichick. No, I understand it's a home game, but those are two of the, the most opponents that would give me pause anywhere. I think anywhere. it's Baltimore, because Baltimore traditionally has played them really well, and the Ravens are playing at home where they have a legitimate home field advantage. If they get by Baltimore, and then, you know, maybe... You know, then the Patriots will be playing that that Eagles game off a of bye. I, I don't know what their chances are, 20, 25, 30%. It's not impossible. Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, could be more likely than not that that's the case. More likely than not that they go unbeaten? I think it's probably more likely. No, well, that's a tough one to say because it's, it's... I think it's significantly less than 50%. Yeah. Because like you said, they could get to week 16, week 17, maybe even week 15, have everything sewed up and be playing backups. Yeah, and there's no reason for that Miami game. There's no reason to get anybody hurt. But if you are 16-0, and 0, I think they'll play it to win it for the legacy and for the history. And because of they've it. already done it. Uh, so but to the do it, Bills to do it again. game in week 16, if you've got everything sewed up by then... I'm not sure you you push it too hard. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's in the 20, 25 percent range, but we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on it. What about the team itself? The defense obviously has been incredible. We like the Sanu addition, but like, do you watch the offense? Sonny Michelle scored three touchdowns yesterday, but he only I, had like 40 yards though. Right, 19 I still carries. don't think the offensive line is terrific they're not getting a great deal out of the tight end position i mean i think that offense is somewhere in the average range i just think that might be good enough well and look at it this way too right i mean they had they forced five turnovers and they only scored on two of those drives now they did get the safety which was a fumble a different um uh, an added turnover there but uh that was a little bit concerning if they punted on three of those times that they had they got the turnovers and you know one of them was a little bit late but What's, ex- what's extremely um, amazing about this team is that this basically, I don't want to say it's a mirror image but because uh, the offensive line probably isn't as good, but the success that they continually have year after year without, I mean, there's no... Th- it's amazing th- how the best teams they've had, though, the ones that are, like, so hard to beat are the ones with great secondaries. Yeah. And Gilmore is very much playing that role of the Ty Law or the Darrell Revis, like he anchors that thing. It's so rare that the Patriots pay for a guy and they went out and they got him and they gave him a big paycheck and he's clearly the guy they were willing to extend themselves on because they knew what a difference that makes. Well, and look at in the pass rush too, right? So the pass rush helps the, the back end, but they got so much pressure on Sam Darnold in the game on Monday night. But I was going back to the point that, and it's not an original thought, but just what Tom Brady, uh, what makes him special is the ability to win and put up the numbers that he does with guys around him that aren't necessarily uh, A-listers. 
I think what's going to make Tom Brady great this year is he's not going to have to take big risks, and he's not going to because he doesn't need right. to. Like I think Tom Brady's best attribute right now is his intelligence and the fact that he can know his defense is going to make plays and it's going to be rare he needs to win games and therefore he doesn't need to make mistakes yeah. he doesn't need to take risks well the other great thing about the patriots you know they make guys that are maybe some guys that are journeymen or a little bit better into role players and, and really good ones and so you turn maybe a guy that's a c or a b and you turn them into like a C plus B, you know, B plus almost an A. So how good are they? If I told you who's going to win the Super Bowl, you've got the Patriots or the field. Are you taking the one team or the masses? Right now, I would take the Patriots. You would take the Patriots versus the field? Yes. Okay. I, I would definitely take the field. I mean, I, I like the Patriots. I respect the Patriots, but they have to prove it against competition that's worth something. I mean, maybe they're going to go 17-0, and and you're going to go into the playoffs and go, wow, why am I even watching? But, I mean, I, I would like to see what they do against Philly, Dallas, Houston, the other teams on their but schedule, he, never mind the good teams that they don't play right. that they might have to encounter in the playoffs. Well, and we gave that number, uh, the fact that the Patriots are uh, opponents are 11-27 and 27 up to this point. And you might say, okay, that, that, that's a really crappy schedule. And you look at those teams. I mean, Pittsburgh's 2-4, and four, Miami 0-6, oh the Jets are 1-5, Buffalo is the only team with a winning record at 5-1, and one, Washington 1-6, and, and the Giants are 2-5. and five. But what impresses me about this team, Dave, is in the NFL, you don't see a lot of uh, games through the first seven where a team has shut out another team twice, and both of those are by 30 or more points. The Patriots have scored 30 or more points in all but one game. The Buffalo game was 16-10. to 10. So, uh, yes, have they played a lesser opponent? Absolutely. The Patriots are an amazing team when they're in the Sun Belt. Now that they're going to join the SEC for the rest of the season, we'll see what it looks like. And I, I have no doubt that they're going to be a good SEC team, but are they going to be an unbeaten, perfect SEC team? I don't know. That's what we're going to see. I wouldn't take them against the field, though. And if you said, well, let's add one more team, I'm not sure who it is you would add. If you gave me Green Bay and the Patriots versus the field, would I take that? I don't like Green Bay that much. Right. Would I take San Francisco and the Patriots against the field? I don't think San Francisco has proven anything yet. They haven't played a great schedule. But that's the thing for me, is, and that's why I took the Patriots. The Patriots are, to me, are a known commodity. Yes, there are questions about when they play better opponents. But is there anybody, in the, and, and you mentioned those teams. Now, maybe New Orleans. I like New Orleans yeah. a lot. And they have a good defense, too. I mean, let's be honest. They've played very well thus far. They're really, really well coached. If you gave me New Orleans and the Patriots, I would have to seriously consider that. What about you? Send us an email, <laughs> beardedcarcast at outlook.com, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Would you take the Patriots right now to win the Super Bowl versus everyone else? And if not, who would you add in? Would you take the Patriots in New Orleans, the Patriots, New Orleans, and Green Bay? How many teams would you need before you took the smaller number as opposed to the huge group. This is the Bearded Carcast. Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow us 
on Twitter, at BeardedCarCast. And, of course, you can now listen on Stitcher. Uh, so make sure you check us out there. Uh, in addition leave a to, review. Yeah, leave a review. Love getting five-star reviews. Every other <laughs> podcast you listen to, they say leave us a review if it's a good one. I just want you to interact. You can blast us. Just leave <laughs> a review of any sort. Well, apparently I did get some feedback on uh, last week's podcast. Um, there was some questioning of not the uh, – and this plays right into what my wife always says, but the, the not not doing laundry and watching games at the same time. That, that was Looks like it might be laundry day <laughs> in your borderline wife beater vineyard vines what? white shirt. Oh, this is a nice shirt. Oh, yeah, about? a very nice shirt. Yeah, it was. What's wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, this might be a good time to, uh, before we get to our picks, maybe wrap up any lingering thoughts on trade deadline because this we talked about it last week. I mean, it's been more active this year, I think, than in most years. Well, I mean, and we saw Houston trade for the linebacker Garen Conley from – the Raiders uh, this week. I think we're going to continue to see the teams that think they've got a chance add pieces. And the teams that are on the border, either they're making the determination we're going for it or we're waiting. Like, it doesn't do you any good right now to be 7-9, and 8-8, 9-7. Either you're good enough to win 10, 11, 12 games and make a run in the playoffs, or you're not. So there's motivation for the mediocre teams to trade assets, and there's motivation for the teams chasing a championship to go get them. So I do think we're going to see more of them, but we've seen a lot of those big dominoes fall. We've seen Jalen Ramsey get traded. What's the next guy? Trent Williams is the obvious one, but Washington is so dysfunctional, it's not clear how open to that they are. But if you're a team that you think you're pretty good and you're willing to pay a left tackle a whole bunch of money in much the same way that we saw Laramie Tunsil go from Miami to Houston, Trent Williams is a huge, huge piece to the puzzle if someone wants to make that move. I mean, we talked about the Patriots having a little bit difficulty running the ball. Tom Brady is a million years old. How many years does he have left? If you were to go get Trent Williams, the discussion on them being unbeaten, the discussion on them being huge favorites against the field, I mean, he's one of the best offensive linemen in the league. He's a huge difference maker. Yeah, that would be a huge pickup. And what about Cincinnati? I mean, A.J. Green is a guy that it's been rumored to be Don't on know the how block. healthy he is, but yeah. he can certainly catch the football. I mean, yeah. no, no doubt about that. All right, uh, not to toot our own horns here, but uh, through toot away s- through seven weeks, toot a loot. We are we are neck and neck in our picks, Dave. We are both five and two. Excellent, excellent. And that's against picking. the spread, right? And essentially, the pick segment is easy and quick because you take the Patriots every right. week and I take the Colts every yeah. week, <laughs> and the Colts have been Mine's by design. Well, not that I'm taking the, but I'm just doing the Patriots for the reasons we've enumerated before. You have the field to uh, pick from, right? But my field picks basically the Colts every week, and they've been <laughs> terrific. They're well coached. They were undervalued. I'm concerned now that the Colts handled Houston and their record is good, and people are starting to talk about them that the value on them may no longer be present. So I'm moving in a different direction Ooh, this week. Moving off the Colts. I'm moving off the Colts. But let's start with the Patriots and the Browns. It's a 
point choice. I believe, and maybe I'm wrong about this, I thought I saw a 10 number prior to the Monday night game, and now it's up to 12. So are you taking Cleveland and the points, or will you lay the dozen with the unbeaten and unchallenged Patriots? I think i got to roll the dice and lay the points like I did last week. Uh, and but but in a serious vein, uh, Cleveland right now is not playing with a lot of confidence. I, I think there's issues uh, in my mind as to whether maybe the head coach should give up the play calling responsibility. I know he was he was elevated to the job because of his relationship with Baker Mayfield, but Baker Mayfield is not playing with a lot of confidence right now. Uh, they do have you know great wide receivers, uh, you know Odell Beckham, um, Jarvis Landry, so they do have the ability to make big plays. And this will be a good test. For the Panthers, uh, for the Panthers, for the Patriots, uh, secondary. But I just think New England's playing with so much confidence right now um, that I, I think it's a home game. Twelve points, I know, is maybe a little bit high, but I'm going to lay the points here. All right, I got a shocker for you. Oh, I'm picking that game, and I'm going the other way. Okay, I'm taking the Browns plus the twelve, and here's why. Okay, Patriots played a Monday night game, short week to prepare. The Browns had a bye last week. Long time to get healthy and prepare. Obviously, it's an enormous coaching mismatch. But give Freddie two weeks. That's a good thing. Now, you say that the Browns are playing without confidence. They're two and four. But look at the teams they've played. They're coming off a four-point loss against Seattle. Seattle is decent. They got blasted by the 49ers, maybe one of the five best teams in the league. They beat Baltimore in Maryland. Some people think, The Ravens are one of the three, four best teams in the league, certainly in the AFC. They lost a one-possession game against a Rams team that was in the Super Bowl last year. I think you're getting 12 points with a rested team against an unproven Patriots squad. I certainly think the Patriots win the game. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a blowout. I just think the spread should be probably 8, and I'm getting 12. Yeah, and that that makes sense to me, Dave, but to me— this defense is just so solid right now, and I, I, I normally I probably would have agreed with you, but I think just the way the Patriots are playing right now, look, this is a big test for them, because everybody has said that they've played a bunch of cupcakes, and you know, record-wise, you have to put Cleveland in that category, but I think they're a better team than two and four. I actually think it's the type of game that if the Patriots can win even unconvincingly, and then they can look ahead to that huge game against Baltimore, that they'll just get by if they can. I like that you did this because there's there's a possibility. Well, not, not, there's a unless it's a push, which I don't expect. Uh, somebody's going to take the lead here. Between, That's right. Yeah, I like it. It should be fun. Before we leave the NFL, yeah. the Panthers are coming off a bye. Mm-hmm. Kyle Allen is going to start this week. Correct. Buyer, seller, holder. What are they doing? Like, are they good enough to win a playoff game as currently constructed? Do we expect them to make a move? Is the move Cam Newton comes back in a couple of weeks? Where are they? That's a great question, and I think Sunday's going to give them an answer to that, uh, facing an undefeated San Francisco team in San Francisco, so it's a road game. Um, This is going to be the biggest game uh, of Kyle Allen's young career as a starting quarterback. You know, he cannot make mistakes against that defense. They will make him pay. So this has to be a game where the Panthers' defense – I don't think they need to score, but I think they have to win the turnover battle. And, you know, we'll see. It looks like, you know, we're taping this on Tuesday. Uh, looks like Cam Newton will be um, at practice this week. Don't know how 
again, at this stage, we don't know how involved he'll be. We know he's not playing Sunday, so that's a good sign. My guess, and you know, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I didn't go to medical school. I mean, could he start in two weeks when they come back home against Tennessee? Maybe. I, I, I think, uh, as you and I have enumerated, Dave, I, I think until Cam Newton uh, and the doctors and the medical staff say Cam Newton is 100%, we will see Kyle Allen a quarterback. I'm not sure it's not a wink, wink, nod, nod. Cam Newton will be 100% when Kyle Allen loses a game. Like, if, if, if the Panthers lose this week to San Francisco, my guess is that Cam Newton's going to be 100% next week against Tennessee. And if Kyle Allen beats the 49ers on the road this week, my guess is that there could be some lingering stuff with Cam. We're just going to give it another week and, and wait and see. We really want to make sure he gets back to fully healthy. But I... You know, you say that in the wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and I get what you're saying, and it makes perfect sense. Uh, but I do think because of where this team was, Dave, at 0-2, uh, he had kind of held back on an injury. I, I really do think that – look, it makes sense. 100% Cam Newton healthy makes it an easier decision to say we're going to push out the kid that's won all these games for us and bring back our MVP. If Kyle Allen goes out and beats the 49ers this week – I don't know how you can change quarterbacks. Well, you and I have talked about this. I think the longer he's in there and the longer he is winning, especially if they stay undefeated, it's an extremely difficult decision. I mean, it's... uh, If they were to beat the 49ers this week, regardless of who they play at quarterback the following week against Tennessee, are they a buyer? Do you go out and make a trade? Can they win the Super Bowl? That's a great question, Dave. Um, With that defense... I think they can definitely be a, a playoff team. Can they win the Super Bowl? What do they need? If they were to buy something, if they were to make a trade, what would you be looking at? I would probably, for this team, look at maybe a little bit more help on the offensive line. Would you trade a first-rounder and a second-rounder for Trent Williams? That, that'd be, that's, I mean, David Tepper likes brass balls. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be a brass ball move. I mean, that would put you in a position. We're talking about— No, they're happy. Now, I will say this. I mean, I think the team is happy with where they're at. I mean, they don't have Trey Turner. Um, You know, Greg Little's working his way back. I mean, they've done done some things on the offensive line that have been good. I think they're in a really interesting spot because it's unclear to me— what they think their future is, whether it be Cam Newton or not. The defense has been really good. They're not a super young team, but they're not an aging, decrepit roster either. Yeah, but so, look at but look at here. Here's their back half after uh, after the bye week. San Francisco coming up six and zero, right? Then you have Tennessee at home three and four. You go to Green Bay at six and one. This is a bear of a schedule, even though you have Atlanta twice. You go to Atlanta. After the Green Bay game, you come home against a six and one, or you go on the road after uh, playing at home against Atlanta against a six and one New Orleans team. You get a, a, a bit of a breather with Washington, then you go up to Atlanta, and then you finish up with Seattle, Indy, and New Orleans. Now that game at the end could be the division; it could be a meaningful game, or everything could be sewn up by then. And, and you know, so. But the trade deadline is a week from today. Yeah. So you can see what happens in the 49er game. You know what your schedule is upcoming, but you got to make your choice whether you're buying, selling, or holding now. And that's the game. That, I mean, to me, this is this is the linchpin game because this is the toughest. If they lose, I think it's no move. We'll bring Cam Newton back. We'll see what we can do. We're not going to sell off an asset. We're going to give ourselves the best chance possible. But if they win, do you push the cards in? 
I definitely, if there's a piece that they want, you know, like a Trent Williams, uh, I, I do think you push it in. Well, because they have because be, they would have that the, would be very very bold. Because this, but this defense is good enough to to win some games in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, and, and and with new ownership, and I think the offense is good. I mean, you have Christian McCaffrey. I mean, there's some good things. This team's been playing really well. Um, no, they. I mean, you have to recognize that your chances of winning the division are not extraordinary because of how well New Orleans has played without Breeze. And now Breeze is going to come back. I mean, I think if you take a step back and you look at it objectively, you have to think the Saints are better than the Panthers. So are you pushing your assets in, your chips in, and still playing for a wild card? And maybe if you've won five straight, you don't look at it objectively and say, yeah, we're, we're going all in to win a wild card. Maybe you say, we had Trent Williams, we're going to beat New Orleans once. We'll see where the chips fall elsewhere. We're going to win this division. And it also depends, you know, long-term, what are they thinking, too? I Absolutely. Mean, there's, I mean, there is, I think you're in the middle, the, your middle stages of this window of this team being good for a, a while. Uh, so do you want to try and extend that out? Well, and what is the long-term plan at quarterback? Let's say Kyle Allen wins this week. You trade for Trent Williams, and you say, the money earmark for Cam Newton going forward, we're going to pay to Trent Williams, and we're going to patchwork it at quarterback with what we currently have on the roster, which is an undrafted guy who has played great or played really well, and at some point, if we need to hand the reins to Will Greer, we will, but now we've added a stalwart on the line, and we're going to go a little bit inexpensive at the signal caller spot. And I think this is where you're going to see analytics going up against football, right? Because what, what analytically, what is the better move? And you can make the argument financially that maybe that is the move. I think from a football perspective, and when I say football perspective, I mean the old time, I'm going to trust my eyes. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I would, can, we haven't looked at the numbers, and we're not, we're not privy to all the analytical. We aren't? To, no, we're not. But to me, it would be interesting uh, that maybe analytics would maybe favor the Kyle Allen route long term. But I think the football guy, the scout, the GM, the eye test, I think would favor Cam Newton right now. Right now, today. That might change in two or three weeks. But right now, I think that's what, that's what it would look like. This is the Bearded Carcast. I'm Dave Friedman. That's Mike Pacheco. The winter basketball season gets underway in a couple weeks. We'll be back on the road, in the car, chatting about Winthrop, chatting about our travels, talking about great food and experiences along the way, and, of course, football and everything else going on. If you've got a recommendation for things for us to do, places to eat, Thoughts on the podcast? Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. And it's important to uh, note the uh, the first couple of spots we're going to be making. Obviously, the first is Hartford, which is uh, kind of a quick trip. Flying to Boston, we're going to be in Hartford for about four, 24 hours. Uh, but then we'll have a little bit more time. We'll go to San Francisco on Friday, uh, and then we'll be in Fresno, and then we'll, we'll go back to the Bay Area in Moraga. That's right. And then after that... We have a trip to Johnson City, Tennessee. We have a trip to um, the Dallas-Fort Worth yes. metro area and several other interesting excursions. We go back down to Greenville, South Carolina, one of my favorite places That's a locally. That's spot. Yeah. So lots of good stuff coming up, and we would love to hear 
where you think we should go. Beardedcarcast at Outlook.com or send us a tweet. Uh, you can use uh, the newfangled uh, media too, Twitter. Oh, yes, it's very new. new newfangled. Very, it's very newfangled. brand new. Yeah, it's not, it's not. Was it just invented recently? Well, we, we haven't. It hasn't influenced any elections. Now, we haven't, we haven't done TikTok uh, and we're not really Snapchat, although Snapchat feels kind of old too. Although I think, it's still, I think anything that you and I know <laughs> is, is probably too old. <laughs> That's probably true. The NBA season is not yeah. old; it hasn't no, started hasn't yet. Started it gets yet. underway tonight. I asked this question not to be um, negative. What are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to seeing how Kemba Walker matriculates, kind of assimilates uh, with the Celtics. I, I think, to me... When are you looking forward to doing that? When am I looking forward to seeing that? You're going to be watching a lot of NBA the next six weeks? I will... So we don't have the... I don't get the NBA package, but... There are a million games on TV. No, but I will I will seek out watching the Celtics when I can. Yes. Now, if Kemba Walker had gone to any other team, would you care... <laughs> Yes, uh, not as much, but I would care. Uh, Kemba Walker, I thought, was um, a, a great addition to the Horn. Well, then Bobcats, now Hornets. Uh, you know, was an All Star here. He, he kind of, you know, made his bones here. I mean, he that, that's where he he became not just a guy that maybe could play in the NBA, but became a bona fide NBA star. And I think he was great in the community, fun to watch. Um, wasn't on a great lot of great teams, and I but I handled himself with class. So I. If he had gone anywhere else, I think I would still say, you know what, I want to keep an eye on, on Kemba. Obviously, because I grew up in Boston and uh, my my formative years in the 80s, I mean, that's when the Celtics were really, really good. So, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see, again, how Kemba, you know, how's he going to, uh, and I think great is the answer, but how's he going to fit in? Um, I think the relationship already with Brad Stevens is pretty good. So I, I'm interested in seeing that. I, I'm also interested in kind of seeing uh, – what the Hornets are going to do, and I and I know Mitch Kupchak, uh, the, the GM, certainly not going to be watching those games. Well, he did say uh, he was asked. I guess they had a big press availability yesterday, and you know he said that the you know eventually the Horn and I'm paraphrasing here. The Hornets, I think, down the road may be willing to jump into the free agent market, but right now they're they're and it's funny because this is kind of the same strategy that they've had for years. It's the only strategy they can have, right? Um, so it's no not, It's not coming. like it's breaking news, but. Um, but here's the thing, Dave. It's like how many times you bang your head against the wall, doing the same old thing. And I, I grant, what's I know, the alternative? Well, the, the, I mean, the alternative is doing something different than you're doing now. What? And there's a million things you can do differently. Well, you can't sign free agents. No one's coming. So you can make trades. That's what they did. Getting well, I would say this. I would say this because uh, I, I don't mean wasn't trying to be flipping flipping before. Um, the issue with the Hornets has been in their drafting strategy. That has to change. Um, this strategy well, I mean, can't it's work. It's not a strategy. It's player evaluation. You have no, to draft No, but if, 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 if your players. strategy is going to be built through the draft, you can't miss on draft picks. If you're not one of the marquee franchises, you're not the Lakers, or you're not in South Beach, or that's the only strategy there is. You have to get great players through the draft. I mean, there, there, there's no other way to do it. You can trade for guys who won't stay, Paul George, or you can draft great players that are obligated to stay for a significant period of time. You can't sign free agents. It's the only way to go. There are no other options. Yeah. Well, you get, but you got to get better at, at picking those players. You have to draft good players. The Warriors got great 
because without having the number one pick, they got Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Once you had that nucleus, you could trade and get Andrew Bogut, and you could get um, Andre Iguodala to stick around. But like, if you don't already have that nucleus, nobody's coming. Now, if you're the Lakers and the Clippers, you're in freaking L.A. So you can get LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. If there is a storyline going into this season about good teams, that's it. So let, me ask you, so let me ask you this, and I'm not being facetious here, although it's going to seem like it, but is there a point in having 30 teams in the NBA if, if only – if the if the great stars will only play for less than half of the teams in the league, I mean the Raptors just won the championship. Seemed to work out. They traded for Kawhi Leonard. They gave up a whole bunch. He left after one year, but they put a ring on. Sure, you can be a small market franchise and win. San Antonio won. I mean, yeah, there's a good reason to have 30 teams in the league. The revenue is enormous. And you can do it, but in the same way that no, it's a lot easier every year, there's a, it's the, there's a it's small a, number. There it's a, a lot easier for the Yankees to win the World yeah. Series. It's a lot easier for the Dodgers to win the World Series. Neither of them have won a World Series in the last ten years, and during that span, we've seen the Royals and Astros win. It's it's similar in the NBA, except there's a salary cap that makes it more difficult. So if you're not a marquee franchise, if you're not in a huge market. Yeah, the odds are stacked against you. Doesn't make it impossible. We just saw. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Don't worry, I'm not talking about getting rid of the whole NBA. We just... And you can't get rid of the, the beard either. No, I got the, my beard's actually fuller than yours right now. Well, but in the past, we've had our bearded car cast, and then in the middle of the year, one of our beards goes away. Okay, so I've been thinking about doing something called uh, What's More Likely? So uh, that would be a good time to bring up What's More Likely? Uh, me keeping this beard for the full season uh, or not. Now... Two years ago, went to February. Last year was early. Last year, I think I... Well, when does the season end? Basketball season? Uh, you could say basketball season. You could say start of baseball season. I would say for, for this discussion, since this, uh, we're starting basketball season, I would say through basketball season. I think it'll be gone by uh, Valentine's Day. Okay. And I haven't made a decision yet. It's, it's completely up in the air. So that's that's it. What's, what's more likely... The uh, the hammering and screwing ending that's going on with the rumor being uh, taping this in is this there's a construction project outside. So what's more likely that ending <laughs> soon or uh, no? This is I'm gonna Ooh. ditch that. That oh, sucks. We need to. That needs to be thought out. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's fine. Because we'll do that some other time. I'm just trying to be. In, I'm trying get, to be fun and off the. Cuff just get into baseball and Halloween yeah. candy and get out. Bearded Carcast at out bless you at Outlook.com is how you can email us. Bearded Carcast. He's Dave Freeman. I am Mike Pacheco. We're th- thankful that you're listening, and hopefully uh, you're now listening on Stitcher in addition to iTunes and uh, Do you think on SoundCloud. People that listen to both and get kind of a stereo sound. It would help our numbers if they did that. That would be great. Yeah, double our audience. <laughs> 
Let's start suggesting that. Hey, and uh, leave a review as well. Uh, Should we do extra segments on one and not the other so we can try to attract people to listen to both? No, what be interesting is if It was we, very interesting last week when we talked about X, Y, and Z on our Stitcher. No, this theme. is real nerdy. Um, for those that aren't familiar with how you can record, uh, we could record like left channel and just send left channel out to Stitcher <laughs> yes. and do right channel just out to... Remember the old 900 numbers when people would pick? Yeah. You know, it, it's the Patriots and Browns this week called 1-900 yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And half of the people will get the Browns and half of the people will get the yeah. Patriots. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. That'd be really funny. Hey, uh, so uh, game, the game six was great of the uh, the ALCS. Unbelievable. Really f- fun and interesting game. Uh, I had the pleasure of listening to John Sterling call. The did game. you? And boy, there are a lot of sponsored elements on that broadcast. Oh yeah, well you you were like sending me some all of, of yeah, the yeah, elements like a, are sponsored. That's good. Business is good. A walk is sponsored. A strikeout yeah. is sponsored. Every half inning is sponsored. That new stadium isn't paying for itself entirely. I mean, like. There's no time, whether you like John Sterling and Susan Waldman or not, for them to say anything other than sponsored, sponsored by. by. Or brought to you by our good friends at. <laughs> uh, but I did watch that game. Uh, Jose Altuve with a just crazy bottom of the ninth home run to send the Astros into the World Series. Uh, didn't really feel bad at all for the Yankees, no offense. Neither did I. Uh, Let me ask as a Red you Sox this. fan. I think he got great praise deservedly. Joe Buck's call. Simple, concise. And and he laid out at the right time. 100%. Terrific call. And Joe Buck, I think, has become the best at that. And maybe because it's doing baseball. It really fits baseball very, very well. The radio call. Is that the proper technique? Because... If you don't talk on radio, you just hear the crowd noise. You're not seeing the visuals. You're not seeing the emotions. How long can you lay out on radio, not say anything, and just let the crowd noise tell the story after the home run? Obviously, swung on a belted, whatever, Altuve home run, Astros are going to the World Series. At that point, how long can you wait? I think, to me, it kind of is feel as far as, I think you got to let the crescendo last, right? And I think once you start to feel that when you do a game like that, and I, and I've never called, uh, I've never been involved in a game seven, but I've been in some playoff games, and when I was producing for the Red Sox, Major League Baseball games, um, to some extent, our stadium in Charlotte has this a little bit, uh, but it's not as much as a big league stadium, uh, especially when you have a packed house. There's a wall of sound that just comes at you. And so I think you gotta, I mean, you gotta, you you have to have a feel to know when enough is enough. So I don't know that it's, I would say that it's like a thirty-five or forty or fifty second. Um, I think the sound that you're hearing dictates how long you lay out. But I think for a moment like that, even on radio, I think you can lay out for a pretty good amount of time. Do you feel like that ninth inning? And it wasn't a game seven; it was game six. But do you feel like that's a game we're gonna talk about forever? I mean, that that's a pennant winning home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. Well, Chapman threw an off-speed pitch. It was up in the zone and a little bit. It wasn't off the plate. It was It was still in the strike but zone. But is it a game? When, but this is a guy that's playoff. throwing 100 miles an hour, and he, he kind of lofts one in there. Yeah, it's a playoff game. In the moment, it's a huge deal. If, right if now, people can remember that game because and Chapman kind of had that smirk, which was— But 50 years from now— right. 
is that a Mazeroski type game that we're still talking about? Is that a Carlton Fisk game that we're still talking about or not? No, well, it'll be it's not the World Series and it's not Game Seven, right? It, but it was a deciding game. Uh, I they think they won the pennant. Yeah, it'll be it'll be remembered, but it it's not in that it's not in that echelon. I think because it's not a World Series game. Do you agree? I, or? Yeah, I do agree. But like, I wonder now in the moment whether like I watched it, I enjoyed it. I went to sleep. I woke up the next day. I thought about it, and now like we're getting ready for the World Series, and that's cool. But like, I'm not sure. Like, but what, we move on from things a lot faster. What than baseball we used to. moment of the last ten years do you remember? To me, it's Madison Bumgarner. It's that series where I think he won two games and saved a third, but he came out of the bullpen yeah. in Game Seven, and maybe he could give him an inning, but he gave him like four or five, and like he single-handedly. Yeah. Won the World Series. Maybe it's, and I guess this is more than a decade ago now, the Red Sox coming back from three games down to win that ALCS. Well, for me, it was the ground ball and Folk throws the first, and Red Sox, you know, can you believe it? You know, right. The, for me. But the last 10 years, I mean, again, I'm more Red Sox-centric, so it would be in the, the just the Red Sox winning in 13 and then winning it uh, Right, but I'm year. not talking about that. I'm talking about uh play or a moment a single game a moment in time a moment in time like is there one like Altuve's home run or maybe it's just the two combination the home run on the top of the ninth inning the home run on the bottom of the ninth inning to win the American League Championship Series it seems to me that that could stand up as like an indelible historic moment. Of course, the Astros have to go on to win the World Series sure. to make it that. And if the Astros were a sweep or something, like you would really look back on that. What is that baseball moment? To me, it's Bumgarner. That's what I think of of the last ten years. But there, but but the Cubs winning the World yeah. Series, the way they did it with the rain delay, right, and right. like that's one of those like oh my god moments. Yeah. So that begs the question: uh, What do you? Who do you like? How many games? I'm shocked at what a large favorite Houston is. And, and I shouldn't say shocked because all of the analytics, there were three great baseball teams during the regular season, the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers. Only one of them is playing in the World Series. So it makes sense that they would be a big favorite. They have home field advantage. But the Nationals have that three-pronged starting rotation. I mean, Strasburg and Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin, their offense, yeah, it doesn't have Bryce Harper, but he's been pretty darn good. I think it was the second-best offense in the National League and maybe the best since the All-Star break, something like that. I'm surprised Houston is such a big favorite. If I were betting on it, I would take um, Washington at more than 2-1, to one, but I think it's the Astros in a long series. What about you? I, I agree with that. I, I, I think... Astros just so balanced, you know. Um, you know Justin Verlander. What can you say about this guy? You know, winning World Series now with two different franchises. Um, you know, Garrett Cole. Uh, you look at that offense. I mean, it's just hitter after hitter after hitter. I mean, it, you know, it, it, I mean, I know there are some weak spots there, but there aren't many. I would say probably Astros in five or six. But I think it's six or seven. Yeah, I mean, Nationals it could are go seven. Good. Absolutely, and and they're probably one of the hottest, if not I mean, the I think hottest the chances team. Chances that the Nationals win either game one or game two, send the series back to D.C. even, or reasonably high. You go to Washington, 
I think the chances of Houston getting a game there make sense. So you're talking, I think, about a six or a seven-game series. I think it'll be a really good series. All right. Uh, mini candy bars, full-length candy bars, Malamars, uh, Snickers. What are you giving away for Halloween this year? Well, I think we're giving away, like, Laffy Taffy, not yeah. for the candy, right. for the jokes. <laughs> Okay, God, that's true. I can see that. Open it up and get a good joke. I like it. Yeah, I mean, you like to you like to add some humor to your right. day, and I, and I do like things like that. You and I frequently eat fruit snacks on the road. I mean, I I like things like that. But I think I think the A number one is Snickers. I mean, that that's that's just a strong Halloween candy choice. So we usually go mix. We usually do like uh, we usually get like the big bags that have like either Twix. Um, that combination, but it's always there are M and M's. I like Snickers. I like peanut M and M's a lot. Yeah, peanut M and M's, and so because uh, usually it's in the same snack pack: Snickers and uh, usually um, what's Milky it? Way. Milky Way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I I don't dislike Milky Way, but to me they're inferior to right. Snickers. Yeah. No, I I don't. Disagree. I like everything about now, a Snickers. I think it's kind of a perfect now, chocolate you, bar. Have you done a frozen Milky Way? I don't think I've done a frozen yeah, do. And frozen Twix are pretty good, too. Okay. Yeah, you should try that. W- one of the best trick-or-treating stories uh, from my, from John's experience, and it, it, it was a bad experience to start out with because uh, we were in Boston for my dad's funeral, but it just happened to coincide with Halloween four years ago. And so one of my best friends growing up, Andy Adams, Sherm, to all the amigos that listen to this, um, they know that, but people, other people don't. But anyway uh, – so we did trick or treating at Andy's house, and uh, one of the they, they go. This is like the special street in in the town that he lives in. I don't want to give it away because people might just show up in the. This, this <laughs> but apparently, uh, one of the guys works for one of the candy companies. So that that house always gives out the full size candy bars. Oh yeah, it's so that house. So yeah, and it, and it wasn't just one variety. Yeah. I mean, it was like so. I mean, John like he still talks about going back to Boston for, for Halloween. So are you dressing up? So that's a that's that's to be determined. Um, one of our friends uh, was invited to a party, uh, and was told he could bring friends. Uh, so we're we're I think we're leaning towards doing that. I don't know that John is he's 13 now, so uh, this one might be the one where we have to push him. Uh, but this probably will be the last time he dresses up. I think I'm going to dress up as Jack Frost and stand over the printer and uh, <laughs> snarl every time it's used. And that's it for us here on the Bearded Carcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure you uh, send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com, and tweet us at beardedcarcast on Twitter.